being engaged in the process of voting and being engaged in the process of communicating with your elected officials can help you identify and join networks within your community to affect the change that you're looking for. Hello again. Thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Aptcast, Applied Philosophy and Theology, where iron sharpens iron and then we poke each other with the pointy ends. <laughs> I am your host, Wes. I'm flying solo today, my bro pilot, Alex, is traveling for work this week and not able to join me. Uh, but no matter, I think we'll still have some fun, still learn a little bit, still. Uh, provide you with something that uh, is worthwhile. Uh, That said, if you like what you hear, please uh, reach out to us on Facebook. Uh, That's facebook.com slash APT podcast. Give the show a like or give the page a like rather. Uh, Share the episode on Facebook. Uh, Like it, comment on it. If you have any feedback uh, for me or for Alex and any of our uh, past episodes as well, uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think we're doing well, uh, what you'd like us not to do, maybe an idea of, of something to do in the future. Uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners, know what's going on in your lives, know how we can help you better uh, in the podcasting world. Uh, that said, uh, we will uh, go right into the episode, probably going to be a little bit shorter than normal since we don't have the normal back and forth between Alex and I, Uh, but our original plan with Super Tuesday being right around the corner, uh, we thought that doing something around the election would be helpful. And, you know, with Alex and I together, we had an idea for, I don't know, some kind of look at the ballot in Alabama specifically, since most of our listeners are, are from this state. But uh, since it's just me and uh, I get to do what I want to do, haha, uh, I've decided to kind of look at voting more in uh, a worldview concept of, you know, what does it look like uh, for voters or for citizens, right? Uh, we know people who vote. We know people who don't vote. Why is that? What, what is the motivation behind going to the, uh, to the poll? Casting that ballot, and what is the motivation for not going to the poll and not casting that ballot, not participating in it? So, we're going to look at some reasons why folks vote and don't vote, and then for those who do vote, why we vote the way we do. How does our worldview impact who we select at the ballot? Who who it is that we feel represents what we want to see in government? Uh, and then, hopefully, using voting as, uh, and finally, rather, using voting as kind of a launching point into other civic engagements. Uh, now, that said, since you know where I'm headed, I do want to give you a little disclaimer up front. I am a poll official here in Alabama, specifically Jefferson County. Um, I am the chief inspector of a polling place. Really, that just means I'm the main guy responsible for getting everything set up, getting our staffing in order, 
making sure that everything goes smoothly at our polling place, and most importantly, making sure that we get every vote from every voter counted properly uh, each and every election. And uh, with that, my heart is that if you don't vote, hopefully I'm able to persuade you in at least considering voting, if not going and casting the ballot. Uh, If not Tuesday, if you're in a a non-Super Tuesday state, then the next available election, getting out there and doing something. Um, So first, let's look at a couple of reasons, or a few reasons rather, why people don't vote. Uh, And we hear this a lot. We see this in statistics. I mean, it's not uncommon to see um, elections, even national elections, where there's 50% or less turnout, right? And in a country of uh, 300 plus million people, you know, you think in a democracy, 51% gets the rule. Well, if 50% of the voting populace shows up, that's 150 million people. If you get 51% of that, you're talking about 75, maybe 76 million. So 26% of the total population gets to uh, make the say in what goes on. So that's something to consider uh, from the larger scale. Uh, And really when it comes down to it, uh, there's a lot of people who really believe that voting is pointless uh, because there's so many people uh, or because, like in Alabama, you know it's a red state that every single time There's going to be a statewide office. By and large, it's going to be a Republican that gets elected. So it's not unusual to see, for example, Democrats who feel disenfranchised because they know a vote for a Democrat is not going to be enough to overcome all of the red counties, uh, red voting places here in Alabama. A similar attitude might be seen in a place like California or New York where the metropolitan areas very heavily populated with uh, more Democrat voters. And, you know, your, your red voters, your Republican voters, probably feel quite similarly out there that, that Democrats do in a state like Alabama. Uh, and even then, you know, when you go into a, a smaller scope, uh, here in Jefferson County, we are a very, very blue county. So even in this red state, uh, Jefferson County itself uh, typically elects, by and large, Democrat candidates. So you may have a Republican here in Jefferson County who may not vote because the ballot's full of local folks and they don't want to uh, contribute to a Democrat getting in. So there's all kinds of different reasons like that, that that voters really feel that it's pointless to get out there. And, and to that I say, uh, just as a, a, a simple response, not a rebuke, not an argument, but just to say, look at, for example, 2018, when uh, we had the special election for, um, I'm, I'm sorry, 2017, when we had the special election for Jeff Sessions' uh, Senate seat when he was appointed to uh, the Trump administration uh, through a variety of events. The senator that wound up winning his place was actually a Democrat. So this was one of the first times in 
pretty good while that a, a statewide, or in this case, actually a federal representative from the state of Alabama was a Democrat. Um, even in my lifetime, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had a governor that was a Democrat, Don Siegelman. So uh, just because a state or a voting population area is typically one party doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. And part of the way that it changes is voters from a different perspective getting out there and voting, right? You look at California, which is as deep blue as you could imagine a state could be, uh, but, you know, Reagan, the darling of Republicans everywhere, won the statewide election right there in California. So within our parents' generation, for example, California uh, was fairly Republican. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that uh, even more recently, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger as the governor of that state, and he was a Republican, uh, I do believe as well. So it's not without precedent. And even if it's just a one-off here or there, sometimes all it takes is that one new voice coming in, that one uh, view from the other side of the political aisle that starts the ball rolling. Uh, and another example similar to that is a state like Virginia that ran pretty consistently red for many years. And over the last couple of election cycles, uh, it went kind of purple where it was almost a battleground state uh, to now where it's pretty solidly blue I mean, and fairly quickly. And so you have these changes that, that occur. Um, and, and it's cyclical. Uh, we see states like Texas that uh, might be trending blue uh, to the Democrats in, if not 2020, then maybe 2024, 2028, something like that, just because of changing demographics, changing political philosophies changing voter outcomes. So if you don't vote because you think it's pointless, uh, I would like to encourage you to be a voice for what you want to see and vote and, and use that voice that you have to get out there. Um, another reason people don't vote is that the ballots, quite honestly, can be confusing, right? To take what's happening Super Tuesday. I don't know what it looks like in other states. But the ballot here in Alabama, it's a front and back ballot. It's a little bit longer than legal size paper. So think of your regular notebook paper plus about four inches. Just about the entire front of the ballot and a good portion of the back in many instances is not only uh, the, the top ticket presidential names. Uh, we've got Trump and Oh, look, I've got it right here. Bill Weld, that's his name. Yeah, so we've got those two running there. But uh, two-thirds of the columns, so three columns on the front of the ballot, two of them are almost completely electing delegates. right? And on the Democrat ballots, it's not much simpler because you have a much larger field. Now, granted, many of the names, Andrew Yang, um, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, Cory Booker, uh, folks like that, uh, Marianne Williamson, they're long gone from the race. However, their names were uh, able to be put on the ballot 
and at this point, the ballot's not changing, but you've got everybody that uh, made the ballot here in Alabama, plus columns full of electing delegates. And, and that can be confusing to a lot of people. Uh, so to that, I would recommend uh, being prepared uh, as a voter. Uh, it's not just a right, it is a responsibility. So take that responsibility. Uh, in Alabama, for example, you can go to the Secretary of State's uh, webpage and look at the sample ballots. That's what I've got right here. That's how I'm able to uh, look and see what the races are and who's running for what. So when it comes to confusing ballots, uh, if that's the case, look ahead of time. You know, you, you're able to use those resources, and, and I'm sure other states have this as well, if not with the Secretary of State, uh, then uh, certainly some local governments or some other office within the state. Um, another one we get a lot, especially working the polls, as long as I have. Uh, it, by the way, I've been working the polls since, I believe, 2003 was my first election. So I'm, I'm coming, coming up on my second full decade working these things. Uh, you get some people who just don't know where their polling place is, right? And if that's the only reason holding you back, certainly in some cases it's understandable. Uh, there are municipalities that will have local elections at one place, and then your state and federal elections, they have a different polling place. And there's some confusion that happens. Completely understandable. We see it all the time, uh, especially at my polling place, and I imagine it's that way at others as well. But uh, really, uh, if, if your only issue is not knowing where your polling place is, there's a pretty easy fix for that. Once again, uh, online resources for your state representatives, or I'm sorry, your state government, you can go there and find out precisely where your polling place is. Um, I, I know here in Jefferson County, for example, we don't even have to go to the state level. We can go to the board registrar and see where we're registered to vote. So there are resources out there available uh, for you. So find out where your polling place is. Find out how to get there. If, if you look and see that it's a place you've never been before, go there this weekend or you know a few days before the election just to make sure you know where to go, where to park, things like that, because some of the polling places can get really busy at peak times. Uh, and those are going to be, for example, right when the polls open for a few hours around lunchtime because different people are getting off for lunch anywhere from about 1030 to about 130 or 2 in the afternoon. And then from about 5 o'clock when people are getting off work mm -hmm. until the polls close at 7. Um, again, that's how it is here in Alabama. Don't know how it is there, but I imagine it's pretty well uh, the same as far as that's concerned. So, so be prepared, again, just like with the ballots, be prepared with knowing where your polling place is so that you can get there, so that you can vote. And if this helps anybody in the state of Alabama, I can say with 100% certainty, if there is a line to get in to vote, if you are in line before 7 o'clock, even if you're standing outside of the building, you will get the opportunity to vote. That is uh, state law. Uh, that is something that uh, we take seriously, that we want every vote counted. So if you get there and there's a line, we will make sure that you are able to get in, even if that means that we leave the door open, you know, an extra half hour, 
or an hour, however long it takes to get you in so that you can vote. That said, make sure you get there on time because if you show up at 7.01, the door may be locked. You, you never know there. Uh, and uh, want to make sure, again, every vote gets counted. Um, another objection that people have to voting is you don't know when. Uh, well, Super Tuesday is this coming Tuesday. If your state is not a Super Tuesday state, uh, check the newspaper. Check your local news stations. Uh, I guarantee you uh, they will be talking about it. I mean, every national election especially, but even at the local levels, right? Uh, lost in the shuffle with federal elections is there are a ton of local races going on. In some cases, those are included in the ballots uh, for Super Tuesday and the, the, uh, the primary runoffs and, uh, and the general. But there's also a great possibility of municipal elections over the summer. Stay connected with your community so that you can know when that is. If for no other reason, your local community races probably have a bigger impact on your daily life and you have a bigger influence on uh, the goings-on there in your community because you are one of maybe several thousand constituents as opposed to a federal office, which is one of several hundred million. So keep that in, in mind as well. And uh, I think the final reason that I hear uh, fairly often is I don't like any of the candidates or I'm just opposed to voting altogether, which, you know what, if you have uh, some sort of personal conviction against voting, I get it, uh, and I'm not going to try to persuade you. Uh, I disagree, and I would re respect your opinion, uh, but uh, really, at that point, I don't know that there's much that uh, we could do either way. Uh, if you don't like any of the candidates, join the club uh, as uh, a more libertarian or independent-leaning uh, voter here in Alabama, uh, I often uh, do not vote for either of the dominant parties. Uh, so it is not uncommon for me to vote uh, for neither a Republican nor a Democrat. Uh, so I get it. Uh, what I would recommend is in those cases, look below the popular candidates, right? If you don't like who the Democrats are putting out or who the uh, Republicans are putting out, Look and see who uh, the Constitution Party is putting out. Look at who the Libertarians are putting out. Look at who the Green Party is putting out. Look at all of the, you know, the, the lump of men as the third parties. But look and see what these other uh, non-dominant parties are putting out. Look at their platforms. Look at what they stand for. And perhaps even uh, find a, a group that you can get plugged into and maybe help raise awareness and, you know, get that platform active in your community. Uh, so those are some of the reasons that I hear why people don't vote. So I, I hope that uh, I've covered them fairly and equitably. Uh, and that said, this list is not all inclusive. There may be other reasons that you don't vote. Uh, so if that's the case, throw them in the comments. I'll be happy to dialogue with you uh, in the thread uh, after we post the episode. Uh, but since we've talked about reasons not to vote, uh, let me discuss uh, briefly two reasons uh, that I think you should vote uh, across the board 
even with the potential objections. One, it's really the easiest way to enter the field of community engagement, right? Especially when you're talking about your local community elections, whether it's uh, for your mayor, your city council, uh, you know, any number of offices at the, the local level, uh, especially in a town uh, that's outside of a major metropolitan area, there's a good chance you know this person by name, right? You can go to a city council meeting uh, that's for, you know, containing maybe a few dozen people, and you can speak to people that, uh, representatives that you know on a first name basis, that are neighbors of you, that maybe even during the course of the campaign have knocked on the door and come and spend some time in your living room with you during the campaign, right? So voting is kind of a doorway to that engagement. So you can vote, and then if you, the guy you voted for or the girl woman you voted for wins, you can hold that person accountable much more easily than, say, the president, right? Because the president's got a whole lot more constituents to deal with uh, than just you and uh, the folks in your small town. Uh, that's not the case for the, the more small town uh, elections. So uh, the first thing, voting is a great way to uh, enter the, uh, the community engagement activity. But also voting itself kind of bridges that gap between the electorate and the elected. So you as the electorate go into the polls, selecting who is going to be elected, um, Think about it again, just at, at the macro level, 330 million people, give or take, right? If half of that number shows up to vote, and, and again, we're talking 30, 330 million people, let's say those are all voting age adults. Don't know that that's exactly right, but let's just say half of that shows up, you're talking just over 150 million people. Well, 51% of that vote 76, 80 million people, right? So you've got 80 million people who are able to, to make a selection that affects more than four times that many people, right? Whereas at the local level, the same type of proportions can play out. So if you've got a town of 1,200 people, if only half show up, that's 600 so 301 votes determines the outcome for the city. Well, through social media, through community events, town halls, things like that, it would be much easier for you to be able to connect with that potential uh, elected official, that candidate during the campaign, uh, to have your voice heard, right? It's, it's going to be much easier for a candidate to listen to a few hundred people than a few thousand or a few million, right? So especially at the local level, uh, another reason to vote is that voting helps bridge that divide between those who are going to the polls and those whom they elect. So that's that's talking a little bit about uh, voting and not voting. But then let's shift over to why we vote the way we do. And one of the first things that comes up is the one-issue voter. You've got some people who uh, there is a particular pet issue that is a make or break regardless of the candidate. Uh, here in the South, 
for example. One of the big uh, examples of that is the pro-life issue. And you've got some people, and it's not just pro-life. You have uh, pro-choice or pro-abortion people who uh, would have the same uh, line in the sand. If you are not pro-life or if you are not pro-abortion, then they just won't vote for you. doesn't matter what your tax policy is, what your views on any number of issues, education, and things like that. Uh, if you don't fit that bill, won't do it. Well, so, uh, some other single issue uh, vote. I'm sorry, single issues that are raised up, uh, especially now with the talk of climate change. And you know, we did the episode last week on uh, climate change, but that's that's a big one as well. Right? You've got folks who, if the candidate is not serious about using their platform to further the goals of the, the continuing um, human impact on climate change, they just won't vote for you. They'll find somebody else who fits that goal. Um, so not to say that a one-issue voter is, is a bad thing. Um, personally, I think with the level of voter apathy that we have, even a one-issue voter is bringing to the table something that is sorely lacking in the majority of voters, and that's conviction. That's courage to step out and act in accordance with their convictions. Now, whether I agree or disagree with their view, or even with the concept of voting solely on one issue, if that issue is enough to motivate that voter to get out to the polls, well, then that's a step in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. That said, the issues that we vote on, whether it's a single issue, whether it's a collection of issues, I think our worldview impacts a lot of what our voting is. Right? For some people, uh, and we see it a lot, especially in uh, the, the local area around me, is what's referred to as straight ticket voting. You come in, you've got your ballot front and back, but then at the top of the front, there's straight ticket Republican, straight ticket Democrat. You can fill in either one of those bubbles, and it automatically selects all of the candidates for that party on that ballot. And you fill in one bubble and go. And for those folks, you've got some that are just lifelong Democrats and lifelong Republicans, who, regardless of where we are, regardless of what individual nuances may be between candidates, they want to stick to party. And, you know, we, we see that for, for the good and for the bad. So I'm not going to criticize that necessarily, although I, I do think that um, allegiance to party, uh, unfortunately, tends to, in some instances, not all, but some, to the level of discourse that we have politically. Because if we are identifying ourselves too much with the political parties, then we can identify ourselves too much with the personalities of those parties. And we find ourselves doing things like defending individuals within the party that we otherwise would criticize. So, just a warning uh, for that. But... If our worldview dictates that 
the government is the ultimate authority, then it makes sense that we're going to do whatever we believe to be expedient, to be effective, to get uh, the folks we want in power so that the policies that we like are enacted. And, you know, one of the, um, the, the, the things you have going on now, uh, as we talked about before, with the environmental uh, issue, right? Another big hot topic in uh, the political sphere is LGBT. QAIP plus plus plus. I mean, there's new letters added every day, it seems. But you have coalitions within them, right? Different communities within that broader group that are pushing for special interests. And you have folks who want these issues. And again, it's not a single issue per se, but you have a more generalized grouping of issues that are being held up as we want candidates that support these platforms or these ideas. Uh, and in those instances, I think it's, it's really interesting to see on an individual level how that works because so often, especially in a group like the LGBT, for example, the voting or the goal seems to be implementing authority from the top down while simultaneously arguing from a perspective of individual autonomy and liberty. And as we've seen throughout history, those two ideas don't mesh. If the government has the power to force people to believe like you, then eventually that government is going to have the ability and will likely exercise that ability to force something upon you as well. And so I think it's a really dangerous way to go about it. And and I know I said that the, the LGBTQ group, but they're not alone. I mean, we, we see that uh, across the political spectrum, so I don't want to just single them out. I just think that right now that's a, a keen uh, example, uh, a very vivid example of how that's being played out in society. And... Quite frankly, I find the irony of advocating so much for individual liberty and yet government authority. I just find that very fascinating. Very fascinating indeed. Um, and then, aside from that, uh, you have, uh, and, and again, this uh, is strong here in Alabama uh, and across the South, known as the Bible Belt. But uh, you have the question of, is your vote God-honoring? Right? As professed Christians, you have people who recognize that God is God, and he has delegated to us um, a level of responsibility uh, to take care of the earth, as we talked about last week, right? Take care of creation, uh, but also... Uh, he has uh, ordained that government be part of our lives, and, and that government has a purpose. Are we as Christians voting consistently with a biblical worldview? And, and even then, there's some nuances there, right? Part, some of the folks that I know who don't participate in voting are convinced that the current government is so wicked that they wouldn't want to even take part in it. 
And and from that perspective, I, I completely get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand where they're coming from, and they're at least acting on their conviction. And you have other folks who, as we saw back in 2016, uh, that unfortunately uh, are willing to sacrifice their entire Christian witness for the sake of political party. And, you know, we talked about before, or I mentioned before about straight ticket voting. You have a, a level of identity that's mixed with the party such that it supersedes any identity in Christ. And I think that's a very dangerous thing for the church. I think it's a very dangerous thing for Christians especially to have our public persona, our um, reputations tied with, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, an idolatrous relationship to political parties, right? As Christians, we recognize that Christ is king. He's on the throne. And there is nothing that we should be doing that should undermine our witness when we go to tell somebody the goodness of God. They should not see in us the hypocrisy of supporting, for example, blatant immorality. Let's just say it. In 2016, we saw that from many, many prominent Christ, professed Christian leaders. And, and I'll leave it at that. But I, I do think it's important for Christians to be thoughtful in everything that we do, including when we go to the ballot box. So if you are uh, not a Christian, I hope you come to faith and, and see uh, the Lord for all the goodness that he is and put your trust in Christ. If you are a Christian, I pray that you would be uh, deliberate and intentional with your vote. Uh, and really, more broadly, uh, I, I think it would help everybody who votes um, when you go to the ballot box to be informed and to be intentional. Right? There are times, perhaps, when the best thing to do is to vote against what you perceive as to be a greater evil. I get that. Don't want to denigrate that at all. If nothing else, like I said, it's, it's coming from a place of conviction. But that conviction needs to be accompanied with information, with facts, with truth. And so uh, as voters, when we vote, I think it's, it's of paramount importance for us to be informed when we vote and be intentional in what we're saying when we use our voice to vote. So... We've talked about reasons to vote, reasons not to vote. Talked a little bit about why we vote the way we do. And I'd like to finish up this last little segment on um, voting as a first step. Right? We talked about it earlier as a reason to vote. It's the easiest way to enter that field of community engagement. I think that when it comes to voting, especially at the lower levels, right? not the big ticket, not the top of the ticket with uh, your federal and even some of the state representatives, but looking down lower, looking at your city mayor, looking at your city council, looking at maybe even your board of education, folks like that, uh, that you may have more access to on uh, a regular basis in your community. Voting heightens your awareness to the issues that are affecting your community. 
And having that relationship with your elected officials gives you more of an opportunity to have your concerns heard. And not just have your concerns heard, but being engaged in the process of voting and being engaged in the process of communicating with your elected officials can help you identify and join networks within your community to affect the change that you're looking for, right? These elected officials can't do it alone. That's why you see the mayor with, with the staff. That's why you see a city council, right? You need more than one person there. That's why city council meetings quite often are open to the public at least for apportions, right? The, the, the elected officials need to hear what you have to say. And if nobody shows up to tell them, then we can't very well get upset at them when they don't do what we want to do. We never told them what we wanted them to do. So uh, keeping that uh, in our mind as well. And finally, uh, in this section, if, especially at the local level, you find yourself not being able to support any of the local candidates, perhaps that's the spark you need to get into the process yourself, to, to jump in and say, look, I can't vote for this guy for this reason. I can't vote for, for her for this reason. You know, I don't like either of the options. Here's what I can bring to the table. And now you are participating in that process from a different perspective, and you're putting yourself out there as an agent of change to use the authority that you have to pursue what you believe is best for the electorate. And at that point, you know, let the people decide. But that puts you in a position where you can do more than just be a bubble on a ballot. You can be more than a voice in a meeting. You can be the mayor. You can be a city council member. You can be on the local library board. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever those positions are, uh, whether they're elected or appointed, you can get your foot in the door to ultimately getting into uh, the election process to, to be able to engage with your, your future constituents, hopefully, uh, and really see what it's like to be in that position. So uh, I think we'll end it there. Uh, I think it's, it's been uh, fun talking about this, not from a specific perspective. I, 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 again, I don't want anyone to take away from this that uh, I'm trying to push this on you, but I, I just thought it'd be nice to think out loud for a little bit about voting in general, why we vote, why we don't vote, what's the meaning behind our votes, why, why we vote the way we do, you know, that kind of thing, but also looking at voting as a way to, to get more broadly involved in our communities. Uh, and certainly as Christians, uh, it is important for us to be involved in the community. And if we can do that through elections, through campaigns, through community events around the elections, uh, you know, for example, I work the polls. I see a lot of people in my community every time we have an election. And it's really neat seeing people who are new to the district, who are coming in voting for the first time, or you know, seeing somebody come in with their 18-year-old kid who's finally getting to vote in their very first election, being a part of that, being able to shake hands with uh, my neighbors, being able to, to develop uh, these relationships 
is it's a really neat thing and and at, if nothing else i would encourage everybody at least once wherever your polling place is try to see try to do whatever you can to work there just once volunteer with the process whether the position is paid or not it's it's a worthy sacrifice to take a day out of a, a whole year and really in this case maybe one day just out of a four-year cycle work there see what it's like to set up to be a part of the process in this uh, democracy type government that we have and, and i think it would be really neat for all of you to experience that wherever you are and on that if you've worked a poll before i'd love to hear your thoughts uh, what, what do you think about working the polls how long have you worked there uh, what's your favorite part about working uh, at uh, your local polling place things like that so once again you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash apt podcast uh, this uh, post will be up you feel free to comment share as you desire send us a private message if you don't want it public that's fine too we love all the feedback that we get from our, our listeners Again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully it was helpful uh, in some way. And we'll see you next time.